Part of the reading will be from 1 Samuel chapter 17 this morning, um, verses 20 through 29 in particular. Um, the overall title of this message is Freedom. And what does that mean? Um, freedom... In the year of 1814, 1812, around 1812, well, it was the, the War of 1812, but around 1814, freedom to some people meant the idea of something that was so great that they were willing to stack their loved ones on top of an old pole to hold up a flag that was shredded to pieces by a bombardment unseen military fort that was shelled and bombed upon. It was primarily created of farmers, women, children. But they believed in an idea, something that was greater. They said, give me liberty or give me death. They believed in that idea. That it was death or liberty. There was nothing greater that they could do. It was an idea that went beyond their generation because they knew that they were more likely going to die. It was something that they believed that they could pass on. They looked at their children and their children's children and they said, I want them to have these inalienable rights that I believe every human being should have. And I think that this is something greater than me. Something that's going to outlast me. Something I'm going to leave them. An idea... Um, that's what freedom meant to them, you know. Um, in Scotland, they went through a time and a period where freedom to them meant getting rid of the English out of them, you know. If you ever watch Braveheart, that's what that era is based on, you know, where he says, Freedom! I always want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie, you know, it kind of dramatized to that one point. And he died shortly after all that. Well, he did die. It was during his death that he cried that out. And that's why you remember. He had an idea, something that was greater than himself. He was part of something that was selfless. The man gave his life to this cause. Um... Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and uh, kind of wrap up that note, just so you understand that that particular battle in 1814 that happened, that is where the Star Spangled Banner came from. That's what that song was about. And they could have simply, as all they had to do was lower that flag. These simple people with a big idea, though, said there's something greater. And we've proven that. We've seen what they did not see. They had a prophecy in their mind, a vision in their mind of something greater. 
and my lands, look at what we have. We have so much junk that we have storage units after storage units. There's more storage units and apartments in this town, it seems like. <laughs> we got so much junk, we got to go store it someplace else away from us. How much more blessed can you get? Amen. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> But we're overflowing. Even through our times of economic downsides that we've seen, we flourish more than most other countries in the world do. you got to realize there's more third-world countries than there are countries like ours in the world. More people live on dirt floors than live on what we live on in the world. It's hard for us to conceive that because we're blessed. No other... No other country in the world has a road system like we do. And we have a massive road system. You think of what it took to put that together to start that. Amen. But it was ideas that were greater than them. The people that started the railroad were going to go all the way to the West Coast. That was not easy. People died because they believed in that. They got out there and dug and did what they had to do to make that happen. Amen. It was a cause greater than their own. Bless <clears throat> the Lord. Oh, I'm going to start in First Samuel chapter 17. Verse 20, read through 29. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in an array, army against army. And David left his carriage Left, in, left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion of the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by the name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all of the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel he is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is his, uh, this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Elab, the eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, 
And Elab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him towards another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. <clears throat> the main line in there, David left his sheep. He left his job of just going out his day-to-day grind thing to go deliver some food. And he gets there and he finds something. He finds something that we all have to find. Unless you want to stay small, think small, and just do small things. And you can stay in that rigid thing or you can find a way to get out. This, this, this message doesn't have to do with the salvation of your soul. This says what you can do with the salvation of your soul. How can you move from point A to point Z? How can you get to where God wants you to get to? You've been anointed to do something by God. Something in your life. Many things actually in your life. Your whole life is comprised. Some of you are going to be fathers, mothers, aunts, uncles. You have an anointing to move into to do that. Amen. Some of you are going to be ministers of the Word of God. Some of you are going to preach, teach. Some of you are going to do music. Some of you guys, you're going to do all sorts of things that God's anointed you to do. But the first thing that has to happen in our lives is we have to find a cause. And it wasn't until that day. David was already anointed to be the king. Yeah. A lot of times you get the anointing and you get... You get a lot of stuff going on, you see. But David didn't understand when he attacked that lion and he protected those sheep that God was starting to bring him up. Amen. Right. David was starting to get worked with already. Yes. And David, I don't think, understood it, exactly what was going to happen. But when he showed up that day, he heard that giant and he had something stir up inside of him and it made him angry. And you got to look at what makes you angry. What makes you, gives you passion? What drives you? What thing, whenever it comes up against you, do you want to reach out and grab a hold of? Amen. It may be in politics. Maybe politics drives you. Well, you need to find some way to get into office somewhere and make a difference. Amen. If that's your passion, if that's what you see, you see something, I can't stand that. I don't like it. Well, quit just talking about it. Amen. And grab a hold of the cause. God yeah. put that in there for you to do something with it. Yeah. He didn't put that grind inside of you for you just to sit around and talk about it all the time. He put it in there that you could move forward and you could do something with that. A lot of times it was a cause. David got that cause that day. Amen. Us as the church coming together, we have to have a cause. Amen. We have to have a cause. What are we doing here? Amen. Are we just coming together and singing some good hymns and, and having some fellowship. 
Or is there something greater? Yeah. Is there something greater that we can reach out and grab a hold of? Amen. What are we going to give to this community? Amen. What are we going to drive out into the community to say, hey, Yeshua Tabernacle of Praise is here as a pillar in the community. Amen. Yeah. It's what the community can lean on. Amen. It's what's going to be around when everything else falls. When the government starts to crumble around and everything, the school systems are crumbling, but Yeshua Tabernacle of Praise is going to stand because it stands in the light of God and it's what they're going to lean on. Amen. We have to have that cause. Amen. And that's something that I could challenge the, the congregation and the uh, board this board gets a lot of pressure being the first board. <laughs> Is that mission statement. Amen. We need to have that mission statement of where we're headed. Something just a little bit more elaborate than we're here to save souls. Or to lead people to the one that can save them. Amen. <laughs> we can't really save souls in ourselves. But, but we need to have that mission statement. That should be up there on that church. Amen. That should be a banner. What cause Yeshua Tabernacle of Praise is reaching out in the community to do? Amen. And we got we're fighting. What we're fighting is a society that is built upon self. Yeah. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're built upon self, you can't find freedom. Um. The boy with the coat. Joseph. Joseph. <laughs> Amen. Amen. He found freedom. Yeah. Through all that he did, he found freedom. Yes. Where was his freedom demonstrated? His freedom was demonstrated at the end when his father died and he looked at his, his siblings and he yeah. said, you had nothing to fear from. Mm -hmm. He was free. Right? Yeah. Freedom inside here. Is where he was free at. He's like, you got to deal with your own self, and that's bad enough. <laughs> and but he let that go because the love of God was inside of him. That's not a love that a man can show on his own. After all that he went through, that wasn't fun. Uh, it wasn't fun to be falsely accused in prison. Had to learn languages. You see, we see this this little overview of his life in these words. But you start thinking about the day-to-day -day living. Oh my gosh, you imagine the fear to have to beset this child. As he was, oh my gosh, my brothers didn't just beat me up today, but they beat me up, threw me in ditches and stole me. Is this for real? Oh my God, what am I going to do? You know? <clears throat> we live in a society where it wants to take heroism out. Think about what our society has done in the last two decades. Three decades. Since the 90s, really, it's really started. Before then, man, we had Superman, we had Spider-Man, and the heroes in the movies didn't die. 
okay? <laughs> the only one that ever died, and you only watch it once in your life, is Old Yeller. <laughs> he was the only hero that died at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but heroism and perfectionism they're ideas and concepts that sometimes society's wanting to throw out the idea that I want to be the best at whatever I do and I'll never forget my grandfather beating that into me always he says I don't care what you do if you dig a ditch you dig the best ditch That's right. period if you paint that wall, you do the best paint job on that wall. Striving for that. There's kind of a self-competition in that. You become obsessed with it too and you kind of go the other way. But the end result of it, of that, you know what it is? It's that people want you. Why? Because you're giving something. You see, all of these things, heroism, um, commitments, lean on time, all these ideas and concepts like that, they <clears throat> they portray you giving. When I show up on time, that makes you think, well, he thinks something about what I'm getting ready to do here. You show up on time for your boss, they think, hey, he's serious about this job. Or she's serious about this job. Be politically correct there. Um, it's giving of yourself. All these things require giving of yourself if you do them. If you notice, these are ideas and concepts that are from the Word of God that the world wants to say, it's okay. You can let that go. Who wants to be a hero anyway? Just be part of the group. <laughs> when I grew up, everybody wanted to be the hero. And everybody wanted to be Batman and nobody wanted to be Robin. <laughs> That's just the way it was. <clears throat> but all these things, commitment, of course, marriage is probably one of the first things that comes to your mind. Commitment to the idea of the marriage. Because I'm going to tell you something. Tabitha and I, through the last 15 years, there have been times that she hasn't liked it so much and there's been times I haven't liked it so much. But, and there's been times that we it's getting pretty close to not being there. I'll be truthful with you. But at the end of the day, there was an idea that was greater than, than me or greater than her. Right. It was the idea of us. That's right. Amen. It was an idea, an institution of God that through it He can bless and nurture us through it. That concept, that idea. We believed in that. That that was greater than what I feel, what I want. And it's hard. And the more you get offended in that relationship, and you will be offended in a marriage relationship, I promise you, it gets harder sometimes. I want what I want. 
I don't want to give him more day one. <laughs> I tell him what I want. <laughs> and the world goes with that. The world will say, forget about that commitment. If they ain't going to do what you want, then you just need to tell them what they need to do with themselves and where to go and how to get there. <laughs> That's what the world says. I'm supposed to be talking in that, ain't I? Yeah. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> yep. So. We have a problem with commitment to church. Commitment to the spiritual well-being of your children and your children's children. It's hard. It ain't easy. But you got to look at the kids and say, I'm taking you to church. Sign up for Vacation Bible School. I don't know how you're going to get there. Well, who got you there? Amen. Who took the time to make sure you got where you were going? I'm going to tell you something about commitment and something that I, I, bet I was blessed is that all of the people that was around me with my mom, my dad, my grandparents on both sides, all of those people wanted me to reach for more they wanted me to have the opportunity for more they would set themselves aside i'll never forget we went fishing me and my grandpa went fishing i was probably eight ten years old something maybe eight nine years old up in minnesota and he let he got a i wasn't doing very good that day myself catching any fish but he was catching some fish so he just gave me his pole and uh and I started, you know, later on in life, I started to think about that. He wanted to see me excel. He wanted to see me catch the fish and do all that. And I can't understand a sect of people that look at their children and they'll go eat the steak and feed their kids a hot dog. <laughs> it just don't make sense to me. You know what I'm saying? I want my kids. I mean, I, I've been living my life. And I've been storing. I've been getting my things. I want them to reach out and grab a hold of things. I want them to have the opportunities. I want to see them blessed. It's a lot more fun for me to see Kaylin catch that big catfish than it is for me to catch a catfish. I still like to catch the big catfish. It excites me. But how much more exciting it is when your kids do that. When your kids walk through the door and they say, I just got a promotion today at work. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and and we, we want to see them excel and do those things. They need that foundation. It's our responsibility now to make sure these kids are getting into the church house, that they're getting what they need, as they need the principles and the values of Jesus Christ, amen? No matter what the world is doing, it may say heroism is out. I say it's in, amen? 
Amen. Say the commitment's out. I say commitment is in. Amen. Commitment is what you giving. You see, this selfish world, you know where they end up? Going to the government and asking government to give them everything. But if they would turn that around and they would start to give a little bit to their community, they would start to give to the people and their loved ones, starting at first at home in the family, amen, then they could start to receive. Got a lot of receiving, but a lot of little giving going on. And some people are gifted to give more than others. I'll get that. And you have to have wisdom about it. Amen. You can't give what isn't yours to give. Amen. And, you know, like if you got $100 for your grocery money, unless the Lord speaks to you and tells you to do something different with it, you better go buy groceries for your children. Amen. Don't be foolish with that. Don't let deceivers come in and try to use... Scripture against you and all kinds of stuff. Well, you're supposed to give to me. Well, but this isn't mine to give to you. Right. Now, the only trump card is, is that by your faith, if the Lord speaks to you and says, will you give them some groceries? Then you do that. Yeah. Amen. And that's a hard line to follow. Because there's some people that just give, 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 give. They can't help themselves. They just give all the time. And then there's some people that they don't give as much. <laughs> and they may not have it to give. You know, and I remember that. You know, with my dad. My dad's still that way. Even to this day. You know, with things. Oh, I'll pay for that. Because he wants to see me take what I have and make more with it. Is what he wants to see. Amen. That's what he's after. You know, and I do the same thing, you know, with my kids and stuff. I try to do some things for them because I want them to grab a hold of opportunity, amen, and climb with it. <clears throat> so we must have something, a cause that's beyond ourselves. That day that David walked out there, he found a cause that was beyond himself. He found something greater than himself. This is where his kingship really starts. <clears throat> because it's a big man, and a man of war, a man skilled in war. Mean man, likes to kill people. That's why he's out there. And he has to go face that. Why would you do that? Come on, I mean, he's got plenty to eat, he's out there, he's got a good job, everything's great. Right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he ain't got nothing to worry. He's even got enough food going around that he gets to take some over to his brothers. Gets a little vacation. <laughs> and on his vacation, he finds his cause. <clears throat> In the last days, they'll become lovers of themselves. We live in a society where it's very easy to love yourself a lot more than you love others. We live in a society that portrays that. You should go on vacation. You deserve it. <laughs> you should buy this. You deserve it. <laughs> and it's full of it. Full of putting a, yourself before the welfare of others. 
Jesus, with wisdom, always put others before himself. You see that by when you walk through the gate of the temple, the very first thing that you see is the altar. All the blood that it took to cover sins. And that's where Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice comes in to free us from sin and death. He himself got down and washed the feet of the disciples. How many feet have you been washing? Amen. And it's easy in this world. I do it too. We, we all get caught up in ourselves, what we need, what we want. And it's hard sometimes to stop and, and give a little bit as you're going along the way. <clears throat> but Jesus always found the time to stop along the way. They thought he was late to Lazarus, didn't they? If you looked, he stopped and did a few more miracles on the way. Amen. And I know that I get caught up, and we all do, into our daily stuff. And sometimes I'm daylight to dark every day, and it's all I think about. It's almost an obsession sometimes. <laughs> and uh, um, I feel like it's going to fall apart if we walk away from it for two minutes. And like we're the only one holding it together. And the reality is, is that God's holding this thing together. And the only thing that you can do is to look at it and prioritize and write it down and one thing at a time. That's what my wife says anyways. <laughs> but, <clears throat> amen. <clears throat> do you believe in something other than yourself? We see a lot of self on social media. And uh, one example I was watching this morning, minister was talking about, and I hadn't thought about it that way, on that Snapchat thing and, and other things where they're saying, follow me. I don't know that I follow anybody unless my wife set it up where I follow somebody. But sometimes you want to say, why? Why should I follow you? So I can watch you brush your hair? <laughs> <laughs> you can tell me about your your ailings and your aches, or well, I don't know what it is. Why should I follow you? Is you going to the park today? <laughs> and you want to show me pictures of you swinging on swing? Is that? And when the minister said this, he said, "You can you should if you need to have stuff. You have something that inspires me. I'll follow you." Yeah. Amen. But the reality is, is my life's busy. How many in here are busy? Amen. I don't have time to follow everybody to the park so they can play with their kids. That's great that you're doing that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But that, that's not where my focus has to be. <laughs> Amen. But we have a lot of that follow me around thing, you know. And I know the one that I want to follow after is Jesus Christ. It ain't always pretty, but it's rewarding. <clears throat> so do you believe in something other than yourself amen because self isn't going to do it 
Self isn't going to, to make it happen. There's a lot of people that don't understand that. They can't get out of that. They end up with destroyed marriages, destroyed friendships, destroyed churches, all kinds of things. The church can get caught up in self too. Get caught up into our own little world and forget that everything else is going on. Especially you start making good money in the church and doing this and doing that. But we're not that church. Amen. <clears throat> you will not have a testimony if you do not associate yourself with a cause beyond yourself. A testimony doesn't come from self-actions. Amen. A testimony comes when you're involved in something greater than yourself. And we're around things like that all the time. It's just like my last testimony. I started thinking about it, of how God blessed us abundantly through carrying these two houses. But we didn't stop being a blessing to other people. We didn't stop prayer in the morning to the Lord. We didn't stop going to church and worshiping Him. We didn't stop associating ourselves with the other various things and facets of our lives that we did. We didn't become just self-aware and self-pity. I mean, there were some times I was frustrated with it. My wife knows that. <laughs> I still, <laughs> it, it, I'm not going to deny that. But that was the self part of it. But I had to wake up in the morning because I believed in a cause greater than myself. Yeah. Amen. And I had to believe that the Word of God was true, even though I wasn't seeing it in my life. Amen. That's right. And if you get caught up in the self, you won't walk by faith. You'll end up just, the only thing you'll see is what you can see. And let me tell you something, living in this life, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, I'm going to promise you the things that you're going to go through and the things that are going to happen to you, if you get caught up in self, you'll end up in self-pity and you'll end up wallowing in it. <clears throat> it's like an old pig in the mud, amen. You wallow, wallow, wallow. You wallow or dry too. <laughs> amen. Praise the Lord this morning. Are you getting anything out of this? Well, I know the, the other night I was thinking about what we was going to talk about. And... Of course, I was stressed out last night because I pushed it till dark and then started really, the Lord started to put this together this morning and pulling it together. <clears throat> Part of our mission statement has to be built upon grace and mercy. 
allowing the opportunity for people that are the pigs to come in and become sheep and understand the difference. And the pig, he loves his sin and he wallows in it and he enjoys it. So don't, and, and, and don't be surprised that he likes it. Ooh, I love this old sin. And he'll waller in it. <laughs> and you ain't going to talk him out of it. I like drinking. Oh, not getting as drunk as I can. <laughs> and running around with wild women. and <laughs> Not knowing where I'm waking up the next morning. <laughs> That's a good time. <laughs> yeah, till you get shot. <laughs> so don't 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 think it uncommon that that old sinner's gonna cuss. He's gonna cuss every other word. Gonna be this and that. Don't get too don't get offended too offended by it either. It's a sinner. What do you expect? You expect him to sin. Now, let me tell you something about what a sheep does. If he's truly a sheep of God, amen, and he's been washed in the blood of the Lamb, and he has a relationship with Jesus Christ, is that he can make the same choice and sin, but he can't stand the sin. Is there something inside of him that says, i got to get out of this. Gosh, I'm dirty. Just like a little lamb, that little sheep. That sheep don't like to get dirty. He don't want to get dirty. He wants to stay clean. <laughs> amen. But the sheep, he'll say, I'm getting out of this sin. Amen. And we got to be that place that says, you ready to get out of that sin? Come on, stand up and walk in the likeness of the Lord today. Because the Lord comes in the morning. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> if you were to do Galatians chapter 6. Freedom. A lot of people don't like the price of freedom, but freedom comes with a price. We talked about the first thing in the temple, or the tabernacle, both. When you walked in, the first thing you seen was the altar. Your freedom from sin and death came with a price. Freedom to have the rights you have in this country come with a price. The freedom to go to the store and buy what you want, it comes with a price. That means you've got to get a job. You don't want somebody dictating what you're going to spend as far as food stamps and all that. Then you're going to have to work for it and get in there and do it yourself. Freedom has a cost. Amen. So freedom has a price. And we have to remember there's a sacrifice made. You know, the first altar that was built had a price. Now, here's what's interesting is somebody's paid the price somewhere no matter what. Whatever blessing comes, I've said this before. If you get a blessing now and you didn't pay the price, somebody did before you. 
Well, when the children of Israel, when they walked out of Egypt, <clears throat> they kind of took some stuff. <laughs> they took a lot of gold. But they kind of stole the stuff too, you know. Kind of. <laughs> but yet they didn't. Because you know what that was? That was payment for 400 years of ancestors on their backs making and building Egypt up. Amen. They collected on the blessings that their great-great-grandmas and their great-great-grandpas had broke their backs on and they walked out with it. You know, we talk a lot of times about the generational sins that get on the people. But there's also a generational blessing, amen, as he keeps on blessing and blessing, amen. And you know what? If you want to start today by making some generational blessings, amen, you'll start by preparing a way for your children and your children's children spiritually, physically, mentally, and financially into their lives, amen. I've seen it happen. We've seen it right here. 400 years of slavery, and they walked out with all of the riches of Egypt. Amen. And that very first altar was made out of those sacrifices for 400 years worth of sacrificing to build the first altar. And it was the one time where Moses had to stop them. One time that he had to say, we have too much, too much. They kept offering and kept offering. That blessing and that offering is what got them when they was in the land that they're still reaping off of this day. To this day that they reap off of. There's blessings that you do that you set before your children. Things that you do. Conversations that you do. It says, keep your conversations holy. Amen. Don't get into into coarse talking and things like that. Amen. Because one of these days, somebody is going to come through to your child and they're going to say, I know that brother. I don't know his son. But based on him, I'm going to bless this person. Amen. You pass those blessings on. Amen. So there's a generational blessing that we can do. And that's what I want this church to be founded on is not what we see today, but the generational blessing that will bless and bless and bless until the day of the rapture comes. Amen. That it will stand in there that even when I'm dead and gone, that my children are getting riches spiritually, physically, mentally, and financially off of everything that I have done in my life. Amen. Chapter 6 of Galatians, verses 7 and 8. Be not deceived. So don't think that, there's a, that, that this isn't going to happen. God's not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I'm going to tell you this. There's two sides to this. If you reap sin in your life, you allow sin to come in and the devil to get a foothold on your life. You walk into whatever it is, lying, cheating, stealing, sexual sins, you get involved in all that. 
you're going to let him put a foothold right on your life. Amen. And there's going to be an area right there that God can't get through because you won't let him bless you because you gave the devil a foothold. Your choices gave him a foothold onto your life. And the only way that you can do it is to repent and walk away from it. you got to be that sheep that says, I had enough of this sin. I want it off of me. I want to walk back into the light. <laughs> I want the goodness of the Lord. No matter what that sacrifice may be. Amen. I got to believe and trust in the Lord. Because <clears throat> so whatever man soweth, that shall reap. But if you are a blessing, you're a giver. Spiritually, physically, and financially. All the facets of your life. If you're a giver of those things, you love somebody <clears throat> that don't deserve your love. then you're going to reap that as well. Maybe not in the fashion that you think in your mind that you should. Sometimes you may think, man, nobody loves me today. <laughs> but I promise you is what happens is, is opportunity in life comes. When you start shedding opportunity for people, God puts you in a position, you know, <clears throat> one of the positions... Reed and I have been put in, and and we don't. We've talked about it for the last few years, and we're starting to do something about it. Is getting something set up for the workers to have some retirement, and it's something that most don't do, small business especially. But as I get into the Word of God, that generational blessing is more and more important to be a blessing. And I know that if we step out and, and start this blessing, that it can become something greater. Amen. And maybe the next person sees that as well, and they're able to bless and do something. Um, it's not easy making choices because you'd like to pocket the money. <laughs> But I believe in this. I believe in the future because you have to have a cause that's greater than yourself. And I look at my children. I can understand making that sacrifice. That sacrifice that I would put my life in the arm's way to protect my children. I can see that. Amen. Once you have children, and, you, and I couldn't imagine anybody looking into their child's eyes and putting themselves first in that perspective. Amen. <clears throat> For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now, I want to break that down. That, that flesh is what he's really talking about. When you reap to your, when, when you sow to your sinful nature, the corruptible part of yourself, that's what you're going to reap off of it. <clears throat> But if you sow to the spiritual nature of yourself, and that's the one that says, yeah, give him half that steak that's on your plate. Or maybe give him the whole steak. And you're going to eat the taters today. <laughs> Amen. Sacrificing isn't easy. It isn't easy. You know, sacrificing 
for your mates. It ain't always easy. <laughs> but that's love. You know, and we, as we keep going through life, I know our testimonies are growing. If our testimonies are growing, then that means we're out touching people's lives because things are going on. They ain't always the way we want. You know, we've got, sometimes we got to go courts. we got to go through attorneys and insurances, companies, and there's all kinds of adversity that we all fight and things that we go through. But in all of it, we've always walked through the fire in victory because none of us walk through the fire alone. Amen. Praise the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> 